clothed in white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, Go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciple came by at night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money, the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy words. The second reading will be taken from Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read from verses 13 to 35. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with one another about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as we walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were, our, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then, they told, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. The third reading comes from Luke chapter 24 from verse 36 to 39. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see me. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. May God bless the reading of this word. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to... You need to read to 49. Verse 40. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still do, whilst they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. That is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses, to, of, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. May God bless the reading of this word. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intensely up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, 
Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. God bless the reading of his word. I'm sure that um, you followed the story. If you did not, when you get home, go and read it. There are a lot of things in those stories written that are quite very, very appealing. The first thing is this. Somebody asked a question. Why should Christians worship Jesus on, the, on Sunday? Why the Jews observe the Sabbath? I think that question has answered itself. The Jews do not know Jesus Christ as their God. So, the Jews follow the Old Testament instruction of the Father. And when the Son came to put an end to that, the Jews did not recognize it. But if you go to Israel today, the Jews who are Messianic Jews, who are born again, worship Jesus on Sunday. Why? Because it says after the Sabbath 28 of Matthew, at dawn on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, Mary Magdalene and other Mary went to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, and the rest of the story tells you that they found out that Jesus had risen. He rose on Sunday. So on Sabbath, which is the old Saturday, there was hopelessness in the world. And the story you read from the book of Luke about the two people going on the road of miles tells you how hopeless the disciples were. Jesus said he would rise again. How could that be believed? It has never happened before. So to the extent that when Jesus appeared to the disciples, they didn't recognize him. So therefore, Christians, anybody who believes in Jesus, we worship the resurrected Christ. And the resurrected Christ was in the grave on Saturday. And he resurrected on Sunday. So we celebrate him on Sunday because we celebrate his resurrection every day. Every Sunday you go to service. You are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at the description of the angel that came to, to uh, uh, you know, who came on the occasion of the resurrection, the Bible says in that Matthew about the angel that the appearance of the angel was so dazzling. He said an angel came from heaven and that angel's appearance was so much fearful. And the angel rolled away the stone and the angel sat on the stone. Now can I say this to you? The power that the angel carried in his hand that rolled the stone which one man cannot roll away and sat on the stone so that no one can hinder what God had predetermined. Where is that power today? Look at the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 2, it tells Christians, if I read from chapter 2, verse, verse 19 really, 
uh, sorry, chapter 1 from verse 19 of Ephesians. It says, and his incomparably great power for all who believe, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above principalities and rule and authority, powers and dominion and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. But if you look at from verse 19, why, why was Paul describing this power here? It says in 18, I pray also that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, the eyes of your heart be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his sins, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted on Jesus Christ when he rose him from the dead. Now, if you look at the scripture, therefore, the Bible tells you that the power lives inside you who believe it. I want to say something to every one of us because this service, I intend to just give you some information, 30 minutes, and then we go. Every mortal man is given an opportunity to live on earth once and make a choice also of who he will follow. During the week, we had Jesus' seminar. And I showed you from the scripture that a parent is a failure if you cannot instruct your children in the way of the Lord Jesus. You failed. You remember I said that? Aha. Uh-huh. Really, we began to talk about that since last Sunday. When it comes to your salvation, it is you alone. He has no business with your wife or your, your father or your mother or your husband. When it comes also to common sense reasoning, if I decide that I want to serve Jesus Christ, if I decide that I want to be a Muslim, how do I become a Muslim? By picking up the Quran and reading the Quran and following what Muhammad said. Because a Muslim is a follower of Muhammad. Correct? Therefore, no one can claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you do not read what Jesus says and the apostles that followed him and then do it exactly as they did it. I'm saying that because in the, in the, in the Christendom there is a lot of um, fragmented parts by the devil. If I was not a Christian and I want to look for what should I, who should I follow or what should I believe, I think common sense tell, tells me I will follow people who follow the letters of Jesus and the apostles who are eyewitnesses. And I will not follow anybody who follows the Old Testament. Alright? I will follow anyone who follows the Gospel. Let me give you a few things about the Gospel. Write down five things I'm going to take you through in the gospel. 
The first thing is this, that the power that raises us from the dead lives in those who believe in Jesus. Write that down. And that's Ephesians 1 from 18 to 21. And the scripture explained to us that that power is supreme to all powers, all titles, all names that can be given. Both in this present age in the to come. So which means that if, it, it, if anybody is in Christ, by the power of Jesus Christ, you can confront any authority. Agreed? No matter what decree or law anybody makes, you can change it. In the name of Jesus. Places where they would not permit people to enter. You can enter it. In the name of Jesus. Things that hurt other people by the powers of the devil and all the phantom powers. When they turn it towards you, it fails. Because of the power inside you. Where people fail, you succeed. Because the power that raises us from the dead. Let me give you a a brief understanding about... The, the issue of God, Jesus being raised from the dead. Now, when Jesus died, Satan said he would not rise. Okay? Man said he would not rise. So, man decided to ensure that he cannot rise. And then they went and brought a big stone. Several men rolled the stone. So that if he even rose, he cannot push the stone away. He has to rot. In that place. And that tells you about whatever the maximum effort man can do to hinder a man. Second thing it tells you is that it doesn't matter what the devil had done to undo a man. If the power that raises us from the dead lives in you, that power will give your mortal body life. Listen to me, therefore. When the angel manifested the power, by a finger, the stone was rolled away. Not only that, the angel defiled the laws of the most powerful authority. It is the Roman government. They sealed it with the emperor's seal. That it cannot be possible. No man under he- uh, heaven at that time. If you touch what emperor has said, don't touch. You are a dead man. That is the law. His death sentence. But when the power came, those who are custodian of the law, the soldiers, when they beheld the power, the Bible says that they suffered mental shock. They fell to the ground in shock. They were alive. They were armed. But they were paralyzed. Listen to me, therefore. If anybody has this power inside him, can anything oppose you and overcome? Impossible. That's the power you carry. That is the power you carry. Listen to me. That angel exercised the power that is the reason why it manifested. Somebody needs to understand here. None of us carry a power more than another person. Those of us who operate the power is because we operate it. And if you have been sitting in the peace of churches, not operating the power, two things. Either you are not born again, or you are born again, you don't know what you are doing. So, if you are not born again, you cannot operate the power. But if you are born again, and you, the eyes of your understanding or heart is dull, you cannot operate the power. 
That's why Paul prayed for them. I pray that the eyes of your heart be opened. It takes the heart of a man to operate the power of the Spirit, not the intellect of a man. That's number one. Number two, go to Colossians. Let me show you something in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. God's Electric Power Corporation. Galatians. Ephesians. Power is Philippians. Corporation is Colossians. Are you looking at me like that? When you say Galatians, Ephesians... Philippians, Colossians. That is God's Electric Power Corporation. So you can easily follow it and understand it. And let me say this to you. When you read those, those four scriptures, if you master them, there is no power that can overcome you. Impossible. It generates electricity till today. That will shock the devil to death. Look at what it says in the corporation, collusions. Let's look at chapter 2. If you read from chapter 1, it's very, very pregnant. Really, let me look at chapter 1 first, and then we'll go into chapter 2. Chapter 1 began to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection brought his supremacy. Okay? Verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, authorities. All things were created by Jesus Christ and for Him alone. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of what? The body, the church. Are you part of the church? Say amen. Who is your head? I can't hear it. Say who is your head? So, let me say there are four. If Jesus is your head, he must think for you. Hallelujah, somebody. The brain is in the head. It means that whatever Jesus did not think, you cannot do it. The eyes is in the head. He must see for you. Wherever Jesus does not go, you cannot go there. The mouth is in the head. He must speak for you. You must speak what he says. Those who are in him. That's how we know them. On a resurrection Sunday, if you find yourself that you are not in Christ, you must accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Full stop. But if you recognize that you are in Christ, recognize this. He speaks for you. He sees for you. You are no longer your own. He is the head of the church. The body receives all the commands from the head. Isn't it, Dr. Summer? It is the head that sends information to every part of the body. I think I'm correct. That's the reason why if you cut off the hand of a man, he will still be walking. Cut off his leg, he's still talking, shouting. Slice his mouth, he's still shouting. Okay? But cut off his head. What happens, Doc? Huh? Dr. Wukunjoko, you, you, you will certify that body dead. Medically certify dead. So is a headless man. A headless man is a man who hasn't got Jesus Christ as his head. The Bible says a headless man is a dead man. When a person is not born again, he's just dead. 
Devil can mess up your life. It can destroy you. It can do whatever he likes with you. It can make you live a permissive life. But a life of misery and no joy and happiness. Until one day you discover that your bones cannot move anymore. You are too old to enjoy anything. And leave you busted, bankrupt, and then frustrated. And then you go to graves confused. But, if a man therefore is in Christ Jesus, is what? Is a new creation. Jesus is the head of the church. It says, and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he will, he will have supremacy. That's why he has to die. God wanted to have supremacy in everything. And God, by his nature, cannot die. Okay? So to be supreme in death, he has to come in the flesh. So that he dies. And then he resurrects. Then he takes supremacy over death. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him, his fullness. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth and things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed where? So number two, what the cross has done for you. The cross of Calvary reconciles all things back to God. That is the scripture. You know, I told you about the power first. Okay. Number two, reconciliation of all things. To bring everything back under God. Satan was the God of the world until Jesus died and resurrected and he took everything back. Hmm? Now furthermore, in verse 21, it says, Once you were alien, alienated from God and were enemies in your mind, that is us, because of your evil behavior, but now, Somebody say, but now. He has reconciled Alfred Williams by Christ's physical body through death to present Alfred holy in the sight of God without blemish, free from accusation. Come on now. I wish together. Today is a day I celebrate. I told my wife, on two occasions, I wear my best clothes. On the occasion of Christmas and on the occasion of Easter, when we celebrate my master. Because if I have a best cloth and I keep it, it could be used for my burial. Putting a good cloth on a dead body is stupid. But do, all of us do it. And we should do it again. We do some stupid things, but it's allowed. Hallelujah, somebody. But I will not, I will not prefer that I buy a good cloth. And I will not wear it on the day of celebration of my God. Only for me to die and then they are putting on my dead body. I will get up from that place. I will just get up and point everybody there and then go back and sleep. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> I love this. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ reconciled us to God. What is reconciliation to God? When we are dead in sin before, we were resting as in before. We can't do good things in our mind. 
All our inclination is evil and they are terrible, ter- terrible and bad. And when God looks at us, He can't even sight us because we are filthy, full of sin. But when you cross the bloodline by confessing Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Now, that is reconciliation. Reconciliation means bringing you back to your maker. So that by the cross of Calvary, we try to be good before that time. We can't be good. We're good today. We're bad tomorrow. Everybody have his bad part. Hallelujah, somebody. And if it is not Jesus who delivered us, some of us, our nature will be worse than Ivan the terrible. Because we do more terrible things on earth. But when we cross the bloodline, he picked us up, presented us before the Father. Holy, blameless, without reproach, without condemnation. <laughs> and renewed our mind. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Wow. But if you look at that scripture, shall we read that? Let's read that verse 22 and 23 together. Shall we? Can you put off this light, please? This one. And leave the other one. This is headquarters. What are you reading? What are you reading? I said you read two verses. <laughs> okay, you know what? This is how we're going to do it. This is headquarters. This is how we're going to do it. We will read one like headquarters. The only second one like cathedral. Now, <laughs> go back to the scripture, my friend. Okay, so we're going to read this now, 22. Shall we read it? But now... Stop. Don't go, my friend. Leave it there. I want us to understand this. That at the point of salvation, when you and I say yes to Jesus, this will happen. Automatic. This is what the Bible is saying. It's automatic. It is automatic. If anybody doubts that, that person is not serious. Sister... What? Boy, nene. Yeah? Boy, nene. Sister, boy, nene. What was your father's name? Arthur. What is your name now? Charles. When you were Arthur, were you Mr. or Mrs.? <laughs> I was Miss Capia. Miss Capia? Yes, sir. Miss Capia. That was your father's name. Yes, sir. Miss. I was Miss Capia. And now? Mrs. Charles. Why is she not Mrs. Charles? Because this is the woman who said yes to Mr. Charles. Okay? Is that correct? Why is she no more Miss Capia? Because she said yes to Mr. Charles. 
Let me say something. When she said yes to Mr. Charles, she did not have to say no to Mr. Kapia. That is her father. She doesn't have to go and tell her father that, Father, sorry, no, because I now say yes. He has no business. The moment she said yes to Mr. Charles, her former identity ceased. Let me say something to you. I want to show you something very strong here. So, this woman from that day could enter the family of Mr. Charles and take a seat and go to their wardrobe and take anything. He can take the clothes of the mother of Mr. Charles and wear it. She'll be happy. She calls this woman my daughter-in-law. She doesn't know her before. Are you with me? If Miss, the mother of Kapia put money on the television and she took it and said, Mama, I've just used that money. You say, ah, okay, that's all right. Because she said yes to Mr. Kapia, the, to Mr. Charles, Mr. Charles, you are following then. <laughs> because she said yes to Mr. Charles, everything in that household belongs to her, except what she does not want. Really? If Mr. Charles, the father, had a big land, Charles, the father, the father-in-law, okay, has big land. She can ask the father-in-law, where is my portion? And they must give her. Okay? So, she does not have to seek permission over the assets, over the property of the father-in-law because she said yes to Mr. Charles. So is you and I when we say yes to Jesus. Everything that God has or have belongs to God. By confession. By confession. Someone is looking for his body to shake. You don't have to shake because this woman didn't shake when he said yes to the husband. She said yes. By her confession, she just automatically assumed that right. And this is what the scripture is saying to us. Either you think you are sinful or you are reckless. The Bible tells me that you are sinless. The Bible tells me that you are blemish, without blemish. And it says that you are free from acquisition. It doesn't matter what your life had been, you are now free. You are free not because you work for it. You are free because you confess Jesus. That is what Jesus gives man. No other religion gives that to any man. Are you with me now? Is that not a big prize? If her sister, let's assume that she was from a very poor family, okay, born in the ghetto, grew in the ghetto, and Mr. Charles comes from the aristocrat family, extremely wealthy, and he's the only son. And he went one day to the ghetto and saw girls playing, and excited her. And said, this is the one I want to marry. And the whole family said, ah, you are born in the royal family. He said, that's the one I want to marry. All right. And he went to her there, sat on the floor, dirty floor, and said, I would like to marry you. And she said, yes. You know what happens? She said, yes. He takes her by her hand and brings her into her gorgeous car. Drives her to her family, they will change her clothes. Because her clothes of the ghetto cannot enter, you know, royalty. 
they will first send her to where they will manicure her, pedicure, treat her, and all stuff like that. Before she can step her feet, because they will clear the whole feet, clear the whole hand, clear everywhere. All right? Because. <laughs> what are you talking about? I think after I've raptured, you will write my dictionary. Now, let me tell you something. Whatever they call it, either Padiski or Mediski or anything, cure. I would be now. When she finishes, okay, and they take her into the real family, they marry her and stuff, when she's now going to visit the ghetto, she goes with bodyguards. With cars and bodyguards, and everybody in the ghetto is saying, ah, ah, God done better, but I is bread. That's why the Bible says, if a man therefore is in Christ Jesus, is a new creation, all things are passing. All things are become. All this is from God who reconciled us through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory. Let me say something. You may not feel different, but there's a difference in you. It's a matter of recognizing the new position you are now. The new privilege you are now. The new power you have now. And begin to exercise it. I don't have problem with believers who are struggling to exercise the power because if you bring a boy from the ghetto and say now you make him a royal family member, for some time he will still be tipping toe when he sees beautiful carpet. He will still be wondering, can I touch this? For some time. And they say, it's all yours. Each time you'll be asking, they say, it's all yours. They give him cutleries of gold and silver and pearl. Somebody who had been using his hand to swallow, he would look at the cutlery sometimes, put it down, and be walking. Ah, is this true? Yes. So is some of you. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't matter how you feel. The fact is that his blood cleanses you from all unrighteousness. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. It is not by your feeling, it is by your agreement. But then if God had done so much for us, okay, verse 23, let's read together. Do you know what robs us? Satan tries to make you doubt who you are. He tries to make you behave like in your old way. Somebody who sleeps in the slum and now he has been brought into the palace cannot live like a slum person. In slum you may not bath for seven days. It doesn't matter. You may not wash your mouth. Everybody is smelling. The whole environment is smelling anyway. But in the palace you don't do that. You clean daily. In the palace, you wash your mouth with some special, you know, various process of washing. That when you walk, you have perfumes on your body. When you walk, what you hose out of you is attractive to man. And that is your act of holiness in Christendom. You cannot waste the death of Christ. To continue in the privilege... You have to behave like him. 
there is a conduct that befits the kingdom. You cannot do contrary to it. Do you have the ability to? Yes, because it's all human. There is nothing demanded by God that you cannot do. Now, that's the second thing I told you. Reconcile you back unto God. I have to stop here because I have to go to the cathedral. I want to congratulate you for reading the Bible like um, the headquarters. God will deliver all of you. <laughs> deliver you from this headquarter issue. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me pray with you, church. What a, what a wonderful God we have. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of salvation. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we celebrate you at this hour. I pray for this, your sins. If there is anyone here who has not known you, Lord, I ask that you reveal yourself to such person. That your death on Calvary shall not be wasted over such souls. If there are people here who have gone away from you, I ask that you restore them back today. This is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. That everything that was dead be brought back to life. By the power that raises us from the dead, whatever the enemy has killed in your life, I command life into them. Whatever your mistakes of past are put to death, I command life into them. Father, you said we have been reconciled through the Son, blameless, free. If we continue, whatever way the devil is hindering anyone here not to continue you, Father, I rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ. I command the strings of Satan to be destroyed. Let the mercy of heaven steer our hearts up. Some people who have got into bad communication and bad attitudes and bad company. Father, like darkness to light, separate them. Association of godly people bring to us. The Bible says, iron sharpened iron. Bring iron to us that will sharpen our iron. May your grace and mercy be upon everyone. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are prayed. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Put your hands together for the Lord.